Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning once again. Take your Bibles out and turn them to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, that is where we will be here in just a moment. Um, I'm glad you're here this morning because I want you to know that I, I was I was thinking about a few things last night as as my my evening was winding down. I don't know if, if you've had a busy week, but we've had a very busy week in the Ballantine House, jumping from one thing to another, and it all kind of culminated yesterday with an extremely extremely busy day. Uh, but as I was kind of replaying the events of the week, I was thinking about our time together this morning, and I, I just couldn't help but think how unique a period of worship is with a church family, because maybe you come into the room this morning, and, and it has been a great week. It has been a week that has been full of blessings, even though for us it's been busy. Uh, it has been a good week. We've, we, we've done a lot of good and positive things. Nothing negative has really happened this week, even though we're kind of tired from all the goodness. Uh, it is easy to feel very blessed this morning. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you walk in here this morning and, and it has just been a blessed week. And what is unique about for you in this time of worship is that you get to take all of the all of the greatness from the week, put it into your song, into your praise, into your prayer, and, and just lift that up to God this morning and thank Him for that. Maybe your week has been a little bit different. Maybe your week has been a week of struggles. Maybe your week, as, as, you, as you hear the words of this song, that, hey, if it hadn't have been for that closer walk with God, if it hadn't have been with having Him right there with me, I would not have made it through the week. And maybe this time of worship for you is just an opportunity to be reminded that you're not alone, that, that you have family that will surround you and love you and encourage you and keep you. You have a God who loves you and who is with you and who is not ever going to leave you alone. Maybe I think there's a third category. There's a third category of people that just kind of feel like, eh, it just is. You know, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe it just is. Maybe there's nothing exciting in your life. Maybe there's nothing bad in your life, but you're just kind of in that stuck-in-the-mud moment. And, and the Hebrew writer says that one of the great things about this moment is that we get to spur each other along. And hopefully in this time of worship and praise and hopefully in this time of study this morning, there will be something that spurs you, something that puts you back in a place, puts you back in a mindset, puts you back in a direction that you are that that you're going to do a little bit better. You're going to have a little more giddy up in you this morning. You're going to have a little more focus and a little more purpose as you go in to the week. But whatever your reason is for being here this morning, I'm glad you're here, and I hope that this time and period of worship brings you closer to God, and I hope that you are encouraged by it this morning and walk away and feel uplifted and feel connected to the throne room of God in some way. As we get ready to dive into our passage this morning, <clears throat> let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for I thank you for each and every person in this room this morning, for our family. 
And God, help us to realize the importance of that, the importance of having this family, that as we walk through this life, as we face its up and downs, that, that we have people to lean into, to hold on to. We have people to carry along with us and to encourage. Just help us to function as a loving family, a caring family, God, this morning. Help us to just be, be your family above everything else. Be with us this morning, God, as we study. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, allow your spirit to move within us and to convict us and challenge us, God, and lead us to great action from your words. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12. So I want you to know this morning that as we continue in this kind of idea of fix it, that as we sit and do some self-evaluating in our life, I think we're all going to find areas and places and ways that we need to grow that we need to be better, that we need to be more encouraging, that we need to, to just, we just need to, to, to renovate. And, and that's the idea behind this whole chapter and this whole section of verses here is to remind ourselves that there is something in our life that more than likely needs to be torn out and replaced by something more godly. Now, I don't know what that is for you. All of us are going to have different places and areas in our life that need to be changed. But let's remember this morning that without the great renovator, without God, we have no hope. But with God, we have a great and immense hope. And so we're going to kind of keep going through this section in in the book of Romans. Uh, The first week, if you want to kind of flip back in your Bibles, the first week we talked about kind of the the section that kind of lays out everything. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Um, that is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the foundation, okay? That's the foundation of our renovation, if you will, is is spiritual sacrifice. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed. And, And so the rest of the chapter here is going to tell us how are we transformed. So if you will, there's there's the foundation. And then Jonathan came in last week and he took the next section and, and he talked about the next section. He goes on and he writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has demonstrated to each of you. For just as each of us uh, has one uh, has one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so it is, uh, so in Christ, uh, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs uh, to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy if it, uh, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, uh, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so he talked about a couple of things that really that, that, that stuck out to me. The first thing we talked about this Sunday night was the idea of having value versus being valuable. And we talked about how we each need to be valuable in the kingdom. We need to bring something and add to it, okay? But he also talked about the idea of, hey, look, it's time to get to work. 
Hey, God's given you gifts. God's taken care of you. God's done some things for you. And in our life, it's time to get to work. It's time to make things happen. Now, we're going to pick up and we're going to read the next section here today and add to. We're going to kind of add the next kind of thing that's going on. So we begin in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 13 and then unpack some of this together. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So let's, let's unpack some of this together because, you know, Paul, I love the way Paul writes sometimes with, with passages like this. He just gives you bullet points, you know? He's saying, hey, in your life, okay, in your life, do this, do this, do this, do this. And most of the time, most of the time you find that in the end of the letter, at the end of the book of Romans or the end of First Thessalonians or the end of Ephesians, he gives these, these bullet points. But here he's doing it right in the middle and the heart of the letter. So let's, let's talk about these things. Let's, let's look at the first phrase here together. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Man, if we just could figure out how to live verse 9, if we could figure out how to just live verse 9, our life would be great in the kingdom. I really believe that. Just love must be sincere. Let's talk about that idea of love this morning. This word love very simply means, it's the word agape. You know that there's a lot of different words for love throughout the New Testament, but this one is agape. And to, to very simply put it, this word means to prefer above. To prefer above. Okay, and the, word, the, the agape love is used in a couple of different ways. It's, it's used as we look at each other as brothers and sisters, okay? And so what that tells me is when it's used in that way, it's I want you, I told you to look at, you know, someone this morning and say, you know, it's good to see you, I love you, or something like that. I don't even remember what I said. I have that problem at times, okay? But what you're saying when you do that is I love, I prefer these relationships above all others. I prefer these relationships above all others. Now, I want you to hold on to that for just a second, okay? So put that right there. When we talk about love must be sincere, it's also there's a, there's a heavenly preference or a heavenly direction, all right? I prefer God above everything else. I love the people in this room above everything else. These relationships with my brothers and sisters, I prefer them above any other relationships. If we, if, if we just stop right there and just talked about that, we've got a lot to talk about, don't we? Because I would venture to guess, I would venture to guess that your feeling towards everybody in this room is not that way. It's maybe that way towards some of them, right? Maybe that way towards some of them, but it's not that way towards all of them. You know, how many of you, it's, it's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. How many of you, when your family gets together, there's a couple of family members that you're like, mm, maybe they won't show up. Anybody have those family members? Just be honest. Are any of you those family members? That's, that's the next question. You know, um, you know, family is great. Family's great. I love my family, okay? I love my family. 
But there are times that my family rubs on me like sandpaper. You feel that way about some of your family sometimes? Let's just be real and honest about it, okay? Sometimes we feel that way about each other. And it's easy to say, hey, I love my church family. But do you prefer them above everybody else? Are there certain rooms you walk in, you're like, oh. How many of you have ever changed where you're going to sit because of who ended up sitting behind you or in front of you? And you're like, I just can't sit with them. Can't lie. I prefer not to sit with that individual. Listen, we are family. We're family. And that also means sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to say ugly things to each other. We're going to have challenging moments in our relationships. But he says this, love towards God, towards each other, it must be sincere. It must be sincere. That word sincere right there, it means not phony. So what does that look like? Hey, I love my church family, most of them but you just say, I love my church family. Is that sincere? Not phony, okay? Not fake. So what that tells me is there's gonna come times that, hey, you know what? Me and Judd, Judd and I have a pretty good relationship. There's gonna be times where that relationship's going to be challenged. And in that moment, in that moment, what's easy to do is when there's challenges in relationships, the easiest thing to do is for you to go to your corner, Judd, and me go to my corner. And then we don't have what? We don't have conflict, because how many of you enjoy conflict? Raise your hand if you just, if conflict's your favorite thing in the world. <laughs> she even hit him. Put your hand down. <clears throat> That's great. You know, we think a lot of times that the absence of conflict is peace, Right? But does avoiding conflict create peace? Not necessarily. Sometimes we have to go through conflict. We have to go through those moments to get to the other side so that that love can be sincere. And as church family, we're not given the option of who we love, of who we prefer. We're given a command. And that's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging for God to look at me and go, Matthew, you've got to love Tanner. You've got to. Because I died for you and I died for him, your brothers. You've got to love him. You've got to figure it out. We don't like to be, how many of you like to be told what to do? Yeah. So love must be sincere. It can't be phony. It can't be fake. It can't be, you know, hey, look, I'm doing this just because I'm, you know, just I'm going to act like I love you for the moment just to get through the moment. No, love must be sincere. And for some of you, that's what you need to hear this morning. For some of you, that's where you're living. You're, 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 you've got to figure out love must be sincere. Okay, so, so if that's you this morning, I just want you to sit here for the rest of the lesson. I just want you to pray about that. Focus on that. That may be where you need. So the rest of you, you may have this. And here's the next thing he says, because, I, hey, man, if, if, if the beginning of verse 9 is not the gut punch, the rest of it is. Hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. That's the verse that stuck me Monday. That's the verse that stuck me Monday. Um, do you hate evil? Do you hate what is evil? Paul says, 1 Thessalonians, he says, to abstain from the appearance 
of evil. Do you hate what is evil? I think that's one of those things that a lot of us, we ask that question. Jake, do you hate what's evil? And that's our answer, right? Yeah, I hate what's evil. Would I believe that if I got on your Netflix account and looked at your recently watched TV shows? Riley's laughing because now I know the answer to Riley's question there. Because there's evil things. How many of you have shows that you watch when the kids aren't in the room? Okay, so three of you are honest this morning. The rest of you just don't have kids. Why do we do that? Because we know there's things on those shows that those kids don't need to watch. They don't need to see. They don't need to hear. That does not need to be in their little circle of life right now. But the question, hey, this is not just you. This is me too, okay? I struggle with this just as much as anybody. Why are we doing it? Because if we hate evil... That word means to abhor it, to just, I can't stand it in my life. But the world has done such a good job of lowering our standards, of getting them down here where we don't even look at evil and go, whew, I can't stand that, hasn't it? And I think, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to nitpick your life. I'm just saying, you know, more than likely, we're all in the same boat with this. We're probably all in the same boat. But there's just some things, evil, bad, things not of God, that's because that next word, what is good, that word in the Greek, and then that's where we're kind of coming from this morning is breaking these words down with what Paul wrote. That word, cling to what is good, means things that originate from God, his thoughts, his desires, his hopes his creations. So hate what is evil, but cling. That word cling literally means stick to. How many of you ever got super glue on your finger? And is it, and and like, it's not the easiest thing. Like, I mean, it'll come off, you know, it'll come off. Um, I worked, I did uh, countertop work, solid surface countertop work in high school. And right after I kind of got out of high school for a guy back in Savannah, and we had like some legit adhesive stuff. Like we had to glue this stuff together and over time, you know, it, and if you got some of that mess on your fingers, like, you were, you were stuck for a few minutes. Like, you had to really work to get it off and dig it around because if you just jerked your hands apart, like, it's going to pull skin off. And like, but that's the word, to, be, to, to, to cling to what is good. And Satan does such a good job of it. As we're trying to cling, he's trying to pry. And he's trying to insert these evil things that, 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 that just seem okay to us, brought back in there in between that relationship between me and God. But he says, hey, look, okay. And, and really, verse 9 could have just been it this morning. It could, have been, it could have been it this morning. And we probably all would have walked out here and been like, I've got some things to work on, okay? That's just the, the truth about this section today because, man, it's challenging. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That's, that's the first three things. Like that's a sermon all in of itself. And then he kind of gets back to this love idea. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Okay, so I've gotten to the place where I'm good with everybody. Like, you know what? I'm working through this. Like, hey, I know that Judd and I are going to have problems from time to time, but I figured out how to work through those. Me and Tanner, like, we figured out how to work through those things. So I'm at this place where, okay, yes, I can say I love my church family. All right, now be devoted to each other. Like, God, why do you do that? God does that to us, doesn't he? He says, okay, here's the bar. Get to it. And then he goes, okay, you've reached that level. Okay, here's the next bar. 
Here's the next bar. Our faith never stops growing. Our relationship never stops growing. And you're going to see what, he, what, what I mean by that here in just a second. But he says, be devoted, be a lover of family. This is the only time in the entire New Testament that this particular word is used. And it means a special affection shared between members of God's family. You remember a couple of weeks ago, it's been about a month ago now, I talked about kind of the pros and cons of church traditions, that church traditions can can be bad and challenging at times, but at the same time, church traditions also sometimes bring us together. You know, it, it creates a bond within us, and I mentioned the idea of cricket spitting from Savannah, and... Um, so I shared that thought with you like on a Sunday, and then the next Sunday, I actually went to Savannah, and when I mentioned cricket spitting in this room, everybody's like, you did what? Like, some of you are still looking at me the same way, like, you put a cricket in your mouth and spit it, like, voluntarily, and the answer is yes, okay, voluntarily. You ought to try it sometimes. It's a great team bonding event. Um... I go to Savannah the next week, and I bring this up in my Bible class, and you know what it does? It puts smiles on people's faces because it triggers memories. It triggers moments that we have all together, and it brings us back to this special affection shared between us as a church family. But I'm going to tell you something. That special affection doesn't happen just in this room. That special affection toward each other is not, it can be birthed in this room, but it does not grow in this room, really. It grows out and about when we're serving together, when we're fellowshipping together, when we're living this life together as brothers and sisters and making memories together, when we're, when we're, when we're at our wits end at this service project and this one person shows up and helps us take it the rest of the way home and you're like, I'll never forget this moment and I'm going to love you forever because you saved our day. You have these moments that you don't have with the world. It's a special bind it says, be devoted to each other. Be, be drawn together with each other. And then not just that, honor each other. What does he say? Be devoted to one, or, one another in love and honor one another above yourself. My dad always told me, and it's, I guess it's true. He says, no one loves me more than I love me. Talking about himself, not talking about me. How many of you feel that way about yourself? Nobody loved me more than I love myself. My third child's that way. How many of y'all went to the Christmas parade last night? How many of y'all saw Britain in the Christmas parade? It was the Britain Christmas parade last night. In her world, she was bouncing from one side of the truck to the other, yelling, Merry Christmas. She was spreading all the Merry Christmas joy she could. She was bouncing from one side to the other, and it was the greatest moment in my parenting um, that... She's bouncing, London's sitting right in the middle of the back of the truck, and she's bouncing from one side to the other, from one side to the other. Britain had had, a, or London had had enough of it, and London reached up with both hands and grabs handfuls of hair and jerks her back down into the seat. She never said enough's enough, but she showed, I'm done with this. Okay, and sometimes that's how we feel about each other, Right? Sometimes that's how we feel about each other. And you're like, okay, enough's enough out of you. I've had enough of you. Honor one another above yourself. Rejoice with each other. 
when that person is being blessed in their life and they're enjoying life, but you're not, don't bring them down. Honor that. Look at that and be like, hey, you know what? Man, Sean's, Sean's life's being blessed right now. Mine's not, but I'm going to rejoice with Sean. I'm going to honor that in Sean. And then the flip side of it is Sean looks at me and goes, hey, you know, sometimes like, oh, well, my life's being blessed. Poor Matthew. But no, Sean goes, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to pour some blessing in on Matthew. God's giving me so much of it. I'm going to honor, I'm going to honor Matthew by saying, here, let me try to help you. Let me try to pour some blessing in on your life and bring you out of it. Let me spur you along and give you some encouragement. doesn't matter where you are. You look at everybody else and you go, where are they? And what can I do to rejoice with them or help them or spur them in such a positive direction? How many of you, how many of you toes being stepped on this morning? I'm telling you, this is one of those passages that it's just, then, then my favorite, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. That's one of those verses that you look at and you read at, you go, never be lacking in zeal. Okay, good. But we struggle with it because we don't really understand it. How many of you understand the word never? What does the word never mean? Never. Um, if you look at it in the Greek, you know what it means? Never. Okay? Never. Don't ever. Don't ever. Never. Never be lacking in what? Zeal. What does that word zeal mean? That's, that's, that's the challenging point here, okay? Um, you like definitions? Properly, it means um, to not be tardy, to not be slothful. Uh, it refers to a reluctant attitude, unwilling to act. Um, slothfulness, okay? It says never be lacking. That's what the word lacking means, zeal. Zeal means to obey quickly. I'll get my notes right here in a second. So lacking means to be slow, never be lacking. Zeal means quickly, okay? Be quick to obey what God reveals to you. How many of you have ever prayed for God to reveal something, to answer a question, to give you a blessing, to, to heal a situation? How many of you have ever asked God to do something for you and he's done it? Raise your hand, okay? How did you respond to that? That's what this is saying. Never be lacking in zeal. And it's the idea that elevates better above good in your life with God. All right, so, so the best way that I can put it is this. Don't be satisfied with good in your relationship with, your, with, with God. Don't be satisfied with better. How many of you have gone to Home Depot and Lowe's and you're looking for something? And in the packaging, uh, I think Harbor Freight does this too. They give you three options. They give you the good option, which is the cheapest option, but it's good. It gives you the better option, which is right in the middle, and then it gives you the what? Best. Now, how many of you rationalize that conversation in your head of which one you should have? Have you ever been there and you're, like, you're looking at it and you're like, I mean, I know what's best, but I don't want to spend the what? money. And so I rationalize. And where do we usually end up? We end up with the better. Most of the time, that's what I end up with, the better. I mean, it's not the worst, but it's not the best. It's be And a lot of times we're that way in our relationship with God. Okay, look, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the better. It's, it's, it's a step above. It's a step above, but it's not my best. Okay. It's not my best. And God says, I want your what? I, wa I want your best. That's what I want. 
You're not always going to give it to me, but I want you. You've got to make that decision that you're going to live it that way. I can try to motivate you and push you and spur you, but you've got to decide to do that. But God says, I want your best. He says, never be lacking in zeal. Don't settle for good enough. I had a guy tell me one time, and this drove me crazy. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. This drove me crazy. He goes, my goal in life is just to slide right inside the heavenly gates. To just, just slide right in. You know what? I'm going to live my life in a way that, that, you know, I'm there, but I might just, I might just slide in. You know, like, and I'm thinking, if I'm going to do it, let's bust the gates down. You know? If we're going to live for God, let's do it. Let's do it to the best. Let's give him everything. Have you ever wondered, why do I not get the blessings that other people get? Maybe it's because you're not giving as much to God. Maybe it's because you're not as devoted. I'm not saying that God's just a respecter of persons, but sometimes you're not getting out because you're not putting in. We, we understand that in every aspect of life, right? Why do we expect it to be any different in our faith? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. This word fervor means to boil over, to boil over. If you're cooking in your kitchen, if you're cooking in your kitchen in a pot that's got something in it, what's, what's the word? Potatoes are the world's worst to boil over as you're cooking them, at least at my house, okay? World's worst. What happens when a pot... Well, that's not supposed to be boiling over. What happens when that pot starts boiling over in the kitchen? Whose attention does it get? Everybody's in the kitchen, right? So he says, don't be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your spiritual fire. He says in 1 Thessalonians, don't let your, your, the, the, the spirit, your fire in your spirit, don't put it out, okay? So just, just be this boiling over Christian that when you walk into a room and Christ is boiling out of you, your spiritual fervor is just right there. Everybody notices. But I wonder... How many times we walk in and people don't even notice anything spiritual about us at all? Because we are lacking in zeal. And we've let go of our spiritual fervor. It's a challenge. Be joyful. There's four, three words here I want to end with. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Three words that should define who we are as Christians. Joyful, patient, faithful. Are you joyful? Are you? We can look at definitions and all kinds of stuff. Joy, a favorable disposition leading towards grace. That's, you know what joyful means. You know what a joyful person looks like. Is that you? Because he says it should be. Are you a patient person? We can define that, but you know what that means. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Are you consistent, persistent, continuing in steadfastness? Are you faithful? Can people count on you? Can they depend on you? Does Jesus say, that's the guy that I know will get the job done because he's faithful? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
be devoted to one another in honor or in love, honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And then what do we do with all of this? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We could spend a lot of time on that. We're going to come back to it. but We're running out of time for today. This is a challenging passage. This whole chapter is about becoming more mature, becoming renovated in the eyes of God. We're called his temple, okay? He's coming in and cleaning out in this chapter, and he's rebuilding our temple the way it needs to look. This is going to be a challenging thing for us to study and read and try to pull into our life. But what do we do with it, okay? What do we do with it? I don't want you to walk out and be like, man, I can't be that. I struggle with that. What I want you to do is if you look at this passage and you go, hey, look, patience isn't my thing. Hospitality is not my thing. Sharing is not my thing. Zeal, I've lost my zeal, okay? I think there's a lot of Christians that will walk in this room today and admit I haven't felt the Holy Spirit in a long time, if ever. Start praying about these things. Take these passages and start praying for these things in your life. You struggle with love? You struggle with putting this group of people, preferring them above everybody else? Well, then what do you need to do starting today? Go to God, hit your knees, and start asking God to help you with that. Because he's going to. He doesn't ever put anything in front of us that we can't accomplish or achieve. And we can be this type of Christian in our life. You can. You can be this type of Christian in your life if you want to be. He's going to give you everything you need to accomplish this. So I challenge you with that this morning. Let's close the word of prayer. God, thank you so much for being a God that loves us, a God that cares for us, a God that is is moved by us. We thank you for that, God. God, help us to all understand that we are in a constant state of renewal, a constant state of growing. Help us to strive for Christian maturity, to push forward every opportunity we get to grow in these areas that we're talking about, God. And and when these areas are difficult, help us not to to just step over them to the things that are easy in our faith. Help us to roll our sleeves up and say, I'm going to master this. I'm going to become uh, fervent and full of zeal in this area. Help us to grow, God. Help us to not shy away from that. God, be with those in our number today that are struggling in our family, that are struggling, that they're struggling in their walk, they're struggling in their faith. They believe, but the actions aren't following. Help them to find that zeal. Be with those here today that aren't your child need to be convicted, to have their hearts pricked, to become your child this morning. Help them to make that decision today. Forgive us, God. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to live in view of the cross every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review 
which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is inspired.